Well, we get to talk about some major news that we've known for a while, but is semi kind of official now that uh, it's all out of the bag that David Stearns is coming to be president of baseball operations for the New York Mets, John. Right. And we get to talk about something positive in New York baseball for a change. It's been a rough year. It's been a long year. Uh, This is the most positive news of the year, hiring David Stearns, a native New Yorker, grew up on the Upper East Side, got a great resume and glowing reviews. And uh, this should be very positive for the New York Mets. His mom still lives I believe in Manhattan, that's another tie that David Stearns has. Our guest, Alex Cora, has a tie to New York. His brother, Joey, is a uh, coach for the Mets. We'll talk to Alex about his brother, about the Mets, about this disappointing Red Sox finish to the season and a couple of his young players. And then we'll play hit and error at the end, as we always do. That's if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. John, I guess the right term here is we should use is a little inside baseball. We usually tape our show on a Tuesday and Alex Cora, who's going to be our guest later, uh, a game got rained out on Monday. He was scheduled to join us Tuesday. Instead, they had a double header. It would have been while he was playing that game. So we had to move it back to Wednesday. We got lucky, right? Because if we tape it on Tuesday morning when we usually tape it, We don't have the David Stearns news that uh, is like kind of the worst kept secret in the history of our game, that David Stearns is going to be president of baseball operations. But it became semi-official yesterday, no press release or anything, but all the people who needed to kind of confirm it probably have confirmed it at this point. He's going to be the president of the baseball operations. They'll probably do a press conference after the season to name him, Met fan, proven guy with the Brewers, John, big picture. What, what, what We can now say it's definitely going to happen. What do you think about right. it? Yeah, and good for us because, look, we've been talking about negative stuff all year. You know, for 140-plus games, it's been all negative. And yesterday was finally a great day for New York baseball. Um, you know, David Stearns is the guy that he wanted. He's a New Yorker, went to Harvard, analytics expert, really right up Steve Cohn's alley. Uh, you know, had a winning team, uh, built a winning team, I should say, four years in a row, made the playoffs, missed last year by one game. This year, again, they'll be in the playoffs uh, with a lot of his players. Obviously, Doug Melvin did a very good job before him. His predecessor, he left him with Devin Williams and Josh Hader and Woodruff. But, I mean, he got Freddie Peralta for almost nothing, engineered the Yelich trade, and I was reminded, uh, reading the story Athletic, also Willie Adamas, which is interesting because I can remember when they made that trade, Mark Adnazio, the owner, texted me, what do you think of that trade? I said, well, look, Adamas, he didn't look like he could hit in the World Series. Uh, I'm a little surprised, and uh, the Brewers and David Stearns were right. He's a terrific general manager, 38 years old with Seven years, and we won't count this year where he kind of sat out, seven years experience as a general manager. I mean, you know, if if everybody in the world's available, he's probably the perfect hire. And, you know, I mean, you know, you, obviously Alex Anthopoulos or Andrew Friedman would be pretty good. But, I mean, this is a great hire, great day for the Mets, great day for New York baseball. Yeah, I think once it became obvious, and I think Cohn knew this in his first go-around three years ago, that Theo Epstein – uh, the next thing he wants to do right. is, be, is put an ownership group together. Uh, no, he wasn't coming. It, it, no. is, he, he's not coming. He's kind of the guy. Like, there's no one more proven, especially if you're thinking about someone who could slay dragons. The Mets have a lot of negative history. Well, if you bring championships in the Red Sox and the Cubs, we know you could do that. Once he's out of the picture, this guy kind of becomes obvious. Uh, Cone made it clear Uh, that he was frustrated to have to wait, you know, in his other business, even if somebody works at another company, he can take them out to lunch and say, hey, if I give you this much money, would you come work for me? You can't do that in baseball. I think there were a lot of people because of how hard charging his reputation was in the hedge fund world, didn't want to come either work for him or work in New York. Well, New York isn't going to frighten this guy. This guy is a grew up a Met fan on the Upper East Side, among many other things, as a fan, he's in the ballpark when Piazza hits the home run off of Steve Carsey in the first game back in New York after 9-11. His ties to the organization mean something as a fan. He was an intern here. So he has some vested interest in this club beyond the fact that I'm sure when the numbers come out, he'll probably be the highest paid baseball executive uh, in history uh, with a lots of bells and whistles, I suppose, uh, tie, tied to it. John, it is a difficult job. 
Um, the history of the Mets, uh, they've had a lot of people try to do this um, and have failed. And he will understand that it, there feels like a black cloud that has moved over this organization for a long time. And I think you mentioned it. His age probably matters here. He's 38. He's signing a five-year contract. This team needs some stability and professionalism at that job. And I think as much as anything, his potential for bringing stability, professionalism, really well thought out uh, process is a big boon for this franchise. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Black Cloud. I, I, at least their Black Cloud is smaller than the Jets' Black Cloud. I'll say yes. that. A little, <laughs> little more things to cheer. Uh, you know, obviously, Joe Namath is the last really big thing for the Jets to cheer. Um Mets have been a little better than that, but yeah, it's been pretty up and down. Two two big positives. Obviously, building a winner on a low with a low revenue team, smallest market tied with Cincinnati in baseball. I hear they have the worst or the lowest TV deal. Not surprising. They're only 90 miles from Chicago. So it's not like they're out in the middle of somewhere like St. Louis or, you know, Kansas City, and they they can draw from far away. They they're they're really kind of hemmed in there. So not surprising they have among, if not the lowest, TV deal. And he was able to build a winner on a shoestring, which this obviously is not going to be a shoestring. The other thing is they knew him as an intern. Omar Manaya brought him in as an intern, and they liked him very much. I mean, obviously, at that point, he hadn't accomplished that much, but he was a Harvard graduate, and he didn't act like, I'm better than you. Even though he was a Harvard graduate, he was very good to everybody. And that's what you hear with the Brewers as well, that he was a very good employer, that he employed the employees all liked him very much. And, you know, I think that's pretty rare in today's day and age among these top, top executives who are very, very successful this quickly. And uh, he handled it very well. So I think two great things. He proved that he can do the job on nothing. And everybody believes, no reason not to, that he's a very good guy, which is important as well. Yeah, John, again, this was not a well-kept secret that this was the target. I mean, one, once he stepped down as uh, president of baseball operations last year, I'm sure there was probably a conversation, can I get out of my contract a year early? He wasn't able to. So it was the equivalent of going into four corners with a contract. He was around as a, you know, advisor to ownership in the GM. I'm not sure he probably did that uh, very much this season since they knew he was leaving after the year, almost certainly to, to the Mets. And uh, the reason I bring that up, John, is I've spent a lot of time all year, but especially the last few weeks, asking as many people as possible about him. And you brought it up is the term. I, I can't tell you how many people use the term like, He's always the smartest guy in the room, but never makes you feel like he's wearing it on you, you know? And so that's impressive to, 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 to that end. I will say that I think one of the, if I were thinking of the strength of those years, so the Brewers, first as the Seattle Pilots for a year, then the Brewers had made the playoffs four times in their history. They made it four straight years there from 18 to 21 and only missed last year by a game, probably because they made that controversial hater trade. If they don't, do they make it? But this has been a stretch of real success that the organization has ever known. Go look at the teams. He's a guy who's had to shoehorn and change the characteristics of the team from year to year, more offense than defense, more defense than offense, more heavily starting rotation, more heavily bullpen. He's been able to retrofit what's needed. There's real craft to what him and his group have done. And when you think about the Mets inability, like we know Cohn will have the money to go get the biggest guys, but this organization for a long time, go find the guy they found at the margins who turned out to be anything. Like even a relief pitcher, they're Clay Holmes, they're Wandy Peralta. They don't do this. And I think that it's something that should help him that he is actually expert at it. Yeah, I mean, his resume is sterling. The recommendations are glowing. Uh, you know, is there a perfect hire? I, you know, I hate that word. You know, when you order a restaurant now, when you whatever you order, they tell you perfect, right? Everyone's <laughs> around too much. It's, why is that perfect? I, I don't question it. I just say, okay, thank you for complimenting my order. I, I get it. But, you know, there is a one question is that, you know, he's a young guy. 
uh, wasn't been around forever. He's 38 years old. He hasn't hired a major league manager to this point. I think it'll be interesting to see what he decides in terms of the manager here, because obviously Buck Showalter is an outstanding manager. He won the manager of the year for the fourth time last year. This year has absolutely been dreadful. There's no sugarcoating it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, you know, could he bring in Craig Council? Now, Council was hired by the predecessor, Doug Melvin, but obviously he's quite a success. He's one of the best managers in the game. Also, uh, you know, I don't have any conspiracy theory that this is all part of the plan. He is a free agent, so it certainly makes it a conspiracy theory. I don't know. Is that, a ba- is that bad optics if they bring him in now? Is it like, does Adnazi or somebody with the Brewers think, oh, this was a plot? I don't know. Uh, you hear that Council will potentially take a year or two off, not go anywhere. And that's probably the likelihood, but I don't know. Do you have any feel on that, whether that looks bad, whether that's a good move for the Mets? I mean, you know, we both like Buck a lot. Obviously council's really good as well. Um, either one of them managing the team, I think is, is going to be good, but uh, what do you think? Uh, are we yeah, going to so, see council as a Met next year? So council's history with the Brewers is probably a little bit like Stearns with the Mets, right? Council grew up, in what Whitefish, Wisconsin, is it called? Whitefish Bay. Whitefish right. Bay. He still lives there. His father worked for the Brewers. Uh, it was the team he grew up cheering for. Uh, so obviously there is emotional tether that he has there. I talked to him in spring training. I talked to him last week when the Brewers were were in New York. Uh, you know, both times, like especially this time, he's like, well, what's the end game now? Like they they're a good team. You know, with their starting pitching, they could win rounds of the playoffs. They have a, you know, great closer, a, you know, and and some real starting pitching. If they win a championship there, if they play for a championship there, if they get to an LCS, what does it mean? Uh, I've heard the same thing. He has four children. Two of them, I believe, are still in high school age. He'd like, they're all athletes. He'd like to see more of them. Having said that, I think he's the best manager in the sport, I think he's one of those guys who would trans. I'm, you know, John, you said something interesting about like uh, Stearns' age. I think not every person will be good at every job, right? Like there are people who fit in various places. You know, it is possible, for example, that you can make a case that Brian Cashman has been a great general manager for a long time. Has he lost some energy? Has some of his thought process, has he stuck with things too long? These things are not eternal. It's not one size fits all. We'll see what Stearns, if he could do it. I actually think Council's one of the guys who's close to one size fits all. I think he could come to a big market with a lot of talent and win. I think Billy Epler will stick around uh, to continue to work for the Mets. The thing I hear, and I know you've written this also, I think we've probably both heard this, is Stearns is really interested in the major league roster and he lets the uh, his other executives run other stuff. And at this point, Billy has kind of like done a lot to put people in the minor leagues with two drafts and a bunch of trades. So I think he'll stick around. I'm not sure from everything I hear about David Stearns that I would describe Buck Showalter as his cup of coffee, you know? And if that's not, ac- you know, if that's the case, and I have to assume one of the th- deals he's worked out with Steve Cohn is I, if I control the major league roster, I control the manager. I get the call on this. I do wonder, even if it's not council, is he going to move in a different direction? Yeah, but what direction? I mean, he's not hired a manager. He's not that Theo Epstein type that knows every that I at least the, my perception that he knows everybody in the game. I mean, nor should he. he did a fantastic job, uh, you know, as in not the most outgoing guy who's going to kibitz with everybody around and on every team and know all sorts of people. I mean, I do think that he's very smart, very perceptive. He probably would pick a good manager. Uh, but I mean, does he have ties with somebody who's a proven manager to come to New York? You got probably have to be proven. I mean, we're going to talk to Alex Coro who started in Boston and has done well there, but it's not easy to start in New York and, and do well. So, you know, unless he's got somebody, I wouldn't rule out that he would keep Buck. And I, I'm kind of with you on council. I kind of believe uh, that he will take a year or two off. They may win this year with that pitching. You don't know. They've been a lot of one-run games. Uh, that lineup does not look like a World Series lineup. They enhanced it with a certainly with Canna. We'll see how Donaldson does. But uh, <laughs> Your boy lineup, Donaldson is there, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does not look like a World Series winner, but he is a terrific manager, um, as you said. And you know, maybe he wins it. Uh, you're right. His two daughters are in high school in Whitefish Bay. And, 
His two sons play Big Ten baseball, one at the University of Minnesota, one at the University of Michigan. Is that a recipe for then going to the Mets, uh, a team that was not as good as the Brewers this year? I mean, I, I'm going to be surprised if he does come. But, you know, in this, you never say you're shocked. And certainly there'd be more money. I hear he makes 3.5 with Milwaukee, which is the fair a fair number for the Milwaukee Brewers manager and what he does. But uh, I would know, multiply that by three or four for the Mets. No, I don't think so. I mean, the, the highest ever was the Joe Torre at eight million, right? Now oh, oh I thought you. Were, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Stearns. Yeah, no, 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 no. no, Stearns, no not Stearns is going to be in that ten to twelve Theo Andrew Friedman range when it comes out. I'm sure. I'm sorry, John. Plus I misunderstood. In, plus incentives, but Council makes three five. Uh, I mean, what's he going to get? Five, if he gets ties Bruce Bochy for, and I, I think Tito is probably right there at six million or close to it. I mean, is that worth leaving uh, the the Midwest for to go to a team that's not as good right now? Uh, you know, I, I think that's probably a long shot. But you know, for the, those of us interested in conspiracy, there are those of you interested, not you personally, but conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, I get it because he's he has not re-upped with the the Brewers. He is a free agent, and uh, his old boss, who we got along with, is now the in charge of the Mets. Yeah, I don't believe in conspiracy theories, even though that's a grassy knoll back here, John. Uh, this. Uh, so why don't we wrap up the segment? Uh, David Stern's going to come in. Uh, he's going to have the authority to do what he wants baseball-wise. We have we watch this team every day. We've watched it for years. We certainly watched this miserable season. What do you think is the priority list here? Beyond he asked, settling on a manager very quickly is probably close to number one. But after that, what what do you think is his tops his priority list? Well, it should be pitching, right? I mean, look, we you've got Quintana and you've got Senga and then maybe Peterson and McGill who are doing a, a little bit better lately. But, uh, I mean, obviously there are a fair number of uh, good free agent pitchers out there, Yamamoto and uh, Snell. It's The ranks are thinning. Obviously, Urias has got some big issue right now, and Otani's not going to be a pitcher, not that they're likely to get him. But there are free agent pitchers. I mean, look, he built that Milwaukee team around pitching. Uh, Burns uh, was a great pickup, ended up winning the Cy Young. Uh, you know, obviously the bullpen that's thriving now, he, he brought in much of that. Um, I, I think it's got to be pitching. I think that was their biggest problem early. But, you know, pitching and hitting have both been problems this year for the Mets. Uh, they've got some other things to work out too. They got to figure out, obviously, Beatty whether whether he's the third baseman, what position Mauricio plays. Uh, you know whether they're going to move on from Vogelback. I I suspect that they will. Uh, you know there there are a lot of issues, but pitching number one. Yeah, John, I think I think I'm there with you. I will say, I'll believe he recused himself from the Pete Alonzo negotiations when the Mets and the Brewers were talking, talk about conspiracy theories here. Uh, the Mets and Brewers did make a trade, a Marcana trade, right? So a prospect who was in the Brewers organization, who David Stearns would go well, is suddenly in the Mets organization. So he will know, for example, the Brewer organization well, if he wants to trade Pete Alonzo and look, those two teams clearly talk seriously about it. The Mets make it sound like it was not all the way close to where, you know, you might be able to go for a touchdown. Sorry to mix the metaphors of baseball and football. Uh, but I think that that's not the Brewers' perception of this. I think they thought that it was a little further along, that there was a chance they were literally talking prospects, that there were guys they were probably willing to do. And if they said yes, they thought maybe they could get there. So Pete Alonso, as we know, is probably the best power hitter in the history of this franchise. Uh, he's popular with the fan base. He's a durable, tough guy, but he's also a free agent after the 2024 season. So right on the clock, right away, he's got to make a decision about that guy. And John, I always find it interesting. You know, you get this myopic feeling like when you, I know you have this also, whichever organization you talk to, they all love their prospects, right? It's their guys. They drafted them, they develop them, whatever. An outside guy's going to come in and he is going to have a view of all of these players. You mentioned Beatty, Mauricio, Vientos, Albert, et cetera. And it'll be interesting which ones he's like, yeah, we, we thought that guy was terrible. If the rest of the industry thinks he's good, I'm willing to move him tomorrow, you know, like, like kind of thing. So he does bring fresh eyes and power into the organization. So I actually think pitching Alonzo and what he thinks about these young players are kind of like a tied for first priority list. 
Yeah, I wouldn't rule out that Alonzo Brewer connection. Uh, look, Epler was with the Angels. He's made a couple trades with the Angels. He knew their prospects, even though they're not considered great prospects overall. He made the deals with with the with the uh, Angels. So, yeah, I mean, probably enhances the chances for the Brewers. I still think the the Mets are going to give uh, Alonzo a shot here. You know, I mean, obviously uh, David Stearns' call. He's not confiding in me, but he certainly knows the history here. Everything you said is true about Alonzo, the best power hitter. I, I also want to mention, and I understand why you didn't, because it's not the most obvious thing. He's very good in the clubhouse. I mean, the reason I mentioned that is because somebody came out and said, you know, questioned that. Someone who's never in the clubhouse questioned whether he's good in the clubhouse. We're in the clubhouse. He's a nice fellow. He's respected. He tries hard. He's made himself an average first baseman, which – is a long it was a long way from average at one point right so he's obviously worked hard at it and uh you know it's all positive for Alonzo and I I still even though the Brewers thought they were close I still have a hard time believing uh with all that we know about Cone and his you know his largesse and his motivation I still have a hard time believing they're completely punning on 2024 and if you trade uh, Alonzo, it's, it makes things difficult for 2024. You're already behind on the pitching front, right? So uh, I still kind of think they're going to get it done, but uh, that's a guess. That's not like when we talked about David Stearns probably coming and we kind of knew that he was coming. This is could go either way. And I, and I understand one team thought it was close. One team didn't think so. I think the Mets would know whether they were close, but maybe they wouldn't admit it. Yeah, bad PR to admit you're close and keep the guy. Uh, that's not a conspiracy. That's the reality of all 30, 30, 30 teams. I will say, I think if David Stearns was the GM or baseball head of baseball operations in July, he's the type who trade Pete Alonso. And I also think he's the kind of guy who thinks that even if you trade Pete Alonso, he showed with Milwaukee, he can make one plus one equal three uh, and try to figure out a way to get to 88 wins. Uh we will obviously be talking about this in the coming weeks when this becomes official official and he has his press conference and he decides what he does about the manager. But on the subject of managers, if you stick with us coming up next on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman is the manager of the Boston Red Sox, Alex Cora. We're back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, and we're uh, pleased to be joined by the manager of the Boston Red Sox, championship manager in 2018, uh, Alex Cora. Alex, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, I think if we did this interview three, four weeks ago, uh, you were a team that was right in the hunt for the postseason. Four weeks later, you're, try you're trying to stay out of last place for the third time in four years. I wonder in a year where I don't think much was probably expected of your team, what do you think of your team's season? Because it feels like two different seasons to some degree. I believe, um, you know, we were, we were very consistent throughout the season, right? Uh, in a sense and in a bad way, right? We'll win five, we lose five. That's where we at right now, right? We're one game over 500. So throughout the season, We'll get hot, then we'll struggle. Um, I think we start playing good baseball right after the All-Star break. And then uh, when we went into the series, you know, we, we had that 10-game stretch against at Houston, against the Dodgers here, and then against the Astros here. And uh, as you know, and that was in the middle of a 16-game stretch. And pitching-wise, um, you know, there was a lot of games that we had to grind. We had to use the bullpen, and it felt like for a moment there, and the timing was bad, you know, we ran out of pitching. And uh, we, we put ourselves in a bad position, and that's where that's where we are right now. Um, the other thing that throughout the season, good, good team offensively, bullpen outstanding. You know, Chris Martin has been one of the best, if not the best reliever in the American League. Kenley has been Kenley. Uh, but I think our, our rotation – Although talented, you know, didn't give us enough. You know, uh, at this level, uh, four and two thirds consistently doesn't help you, right? Because then you got to go to the bullpen, and that's what we were short. But um, overall, an okay season. There's some positive things happening lately with the young kids, but uh, a disappointing one. You know, uh, you, you guys know, uh, you know, we 
we play for championships, right? And, uh, you know, right now we're in last place in the American League East. Well, thank you, Alex, for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, tough day and night yesterday, uh, losing the doubleheader to the full new tie with the Yankees. As we do this, you know, I don't think most people would say that your team underachieved, though. They would say it about the Yankees, but not necessarily your team. Uh, how do you feel about that? Did, did you really expect coming in that you had a playoff team? We felt like we were going to be able to compete throughout the season. And then, you know, if a few things happen, then we were going to be in the mix. We were two games behind. I mean, at one point, not too long ago, we were two games behind the wildcard spot, right? So uh, we were nine games over 500, playing good baseball, and then we didn't play good. Uh, I always believe that you, you got to find a way, you know, uh, to to grind it out. Um, I think defense put us in a bad spot. You know, there, there were a few things that happened early in the season that we didn't expect, you know. Kike Hernandez is a good player, a really good player, a good defender in center, in sec, at second, and at shortstop. And he's proven it in L.A., right? And uh, he struggled early on defensively. Uh, we had some injuries, but everybody has injuries, right? Uh, I mean, you can use that as an excuse. But uh, I, I do believe where we at as an industry, where the game is going, with uh, no shift in, uh, run, the running game is back right uh in in the game you got to be sound defensively and and when you look up at the teams that are almost there or are making it to the playoffs they're consistently making plays and uh we didn't do that we didn't do it alex you uh have mentioned both your defense and your rotation uh the rotation is something it feels like hasn't been fixed for several seasons now uh you've been trying to do it obviously the persistent injuries to chris sale don't help. Uh, do you feel you've been misserved here that you're not? This is a big payroll team that you mentioned plays for championships, and you're been handed several seasons now a rotation that's hard to make it through a season. Well, I mean, injuries are part of the game. That's something that we cannot control. Uh, honestly, th throughout the season, if if you look at the kids that we have, they're very talented, right? Tanner. Uh, cutter with uh, at one point we were pitching really well and you know the line drive to Tanner put us in a bad spot obviously Chris was throwing the ball great and then he gets hurt uh, Kluber a little bit obviously inconsistent early on and he got hurt we we just we weren't able to to have those five guys on a consistent basis right uh, you know Pivetta who's been one of the best pitchers in the big leagues since May 18th if you look at the numbers the first month and a half, he struggled. That's why he ended up in the bullpen. Uh, it's one of those that we've been talking about it, obviously. Um, you know, the front office and, and, and the group, like something that we have to be better. If you look at us in 2021, you look at our rotation, it was a solid one. It wasn't a great one. It was a solid one. But you look at Nate, Pivetta, and um uh, um, well, Martin, Gary Richards, Eduardo Rodriguez. Between Eduardo, Mart uh, Eduardo, Nick, and and Nate, they all went thirty plus starts. And when you do that on a consistent basis, going five innings, six innings, it puts you in a good spot. And we haven't been able to do that the last two years, injuries, performance wise, and at this level. You know, those first, we always talk about the back end, right? Like you have to win the ones that you have to win. But the first six innings put you in a good spot. I talk a lot to to my brother, as you guys know, he's with the Mets. And uh, that was something he, he kept telling me that whenever they were going six innings early in the season, they won those games, right? But when they were short, they didn't have those relievers, multi-inning relievers to, you know, be the bridge to the, to the back end of the bullpen and they struggle. So I think overall those teams that have starters that go, and we're not talking seven, eight innings, right? We're talking about six, you know, they go six innings consistently. It helps you because it puts your bullpen in a good spot. You mentioned the talented uh, kid pitchers. What, what about some of the position players who have thrived under you? Casas and Duran in particular, what do you see their futures being? They're a big part of what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, Casas, 
slowly but surely is becoming the hitter that we envisioned when we drafted him in 2018. Uh, one aspect of the game that he's gotten better and people haven't noticed it is defensively. The last month and a half, we worked with him with his first step and decision-making, and he's been solid. He has good hands. He's just a big boy at first base. And uh, the cool thing about it is, like, he's going to get stronger, so he's going to help him offensively. He's going to – I mean, you see the power to left center the last month and a half. That's real. You know, in San Francisco, in Tampa, obviously here he will play. Jaron, uh, great season for him. You know, uh, he started in AAA, comes back here because Duval got hurt. And struggled for a while, found it, found it a river. And I think that's the, the mark of a big leaguer, right? Like when you are hot, you struggle, and you find it. And you know what to, what to do. The Reds. Um, Willie Obrero, he's playing now. You guys saw him the last few days. He's a good hitter, a good defender. We got him on the trade from uh, Houston uh, for Christian Vasquez. And... Uh, Sedan Rafaela, he, he's a good player. The one thing, guys, and, and this is something I learned over the years, and this is from in 2005 when I got here. We got to take it easy here, you know, right right away, because you dominate Portland and you dominate Wooster, it doesn't mean that you're going to come here at Fenway Park and be the second coming Dustin Pedroia or Jacoby Ellsbury. We got to let these guys be, you know, like we got to be patient because here they put him in a pedestal right away it's like, wow, they're going to impact this this ball club and they're going to win it. It doesn't work that way. It, it's not it's not 4A. It's a big league. So we got some good players. Uh, there's others coming, as you guys know, Marcelo, Nick York. I think position player-wise, we're in a good spot, not only now but for the future. Uh, Alex, he's not a kid, but he is a rookie, uh, Masataka Yoshida. And when you guys signed him, there was pretty much a universal call around the sport that you had overpaid for this player uh, with his rookie season almost done. It doesn't look like you overpaid. He looks like a solid high end, could hit good pitching, major league hitter. What 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 is your assessment after a year of watching Yoshida? I, I do believe he's going to get better. I, I, I do believe he's feeling the, the weight of the season the last few weeks. And this is not only the 162, what we live. You got to remember, he showed up to Fort Myers early February, and then he went to Japan to play the tournament. Most of the players that play in the States and they were part of the tournament, they stay in Japan, you know, and they work out with their national team. So the whole traveling thing, you know, I bet he's feeling it. Obviously, it's a lot different. You know, in Japan, they play six games a week. They play in the same time zone. The trips are short. So that's something he has to um, get used to it. Offensively, like I said, he's going to get better. He's going to learn, not learn because uh, he's a veteran, but when to pick his spots and take shots, you know. And, uh, yeah, he puts up on play. He's been a lot, very passive for 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 what I've seen, especially lately. And in this league, 01, 02 doesn't work. You know, the, the stuff is too good to always be behind the count. Defensively, I know the metrics show that he's a below average defender, but the willingness to get better is there. We have talked to him. He has talked to Kyle Hudson, our outfield uh, coach. And as you guys know, they're very disciplined. That culture, they're very disciplined. And whatever they want to do, they're going to put the whole – I mean, they're going to do – he's going to do everything possible to improve. We play at Fenway Park, so it's left field, right? So, you know, just be average is going to be good for us. And uh, I think the, the the hitter, we just seen the beginning. He, he He's – I do believe he's going to be a lot better than this. You know, I, I was with your team uh, with the Mets uh, in July, and you seemed hopeful that you guys were going to get something done at the deadline. And obviously the team traded Kike, who was one of your favorite players, and didn't do a lot. Uh, you know, how how disappointing was that for you? Um, it does seem like the teams that do make moves, it does seem to help in terms of the clubhouse at least, and, and sometimes at least the intention is on the field as well. Yeah, I mean uh... – we, we talk about it, and uh, I talked to Haim before, and there were a lot of stuff out there. 
it just didn't work out, you know, at, at the moment. Um, one thing that we we counted on too was Trevor, Chris, Whitlock, and Hal coming back. Um, and I, I can say it, you know, like they for Trevor especially. Trevor hasn't played in a while, and the offensive part of it is is not easy. You know, it's it's, it's very hard. And uh, right now he's hitting seven for us offensively. We take whatever he brings us. Defensively, he's great. You know, he's going to help us. But I think counting on those guys was kind of like our mantra, understanding that, yeah, we we have a good team, but we're still behind, and there's a lot of teams around us. So, um, you know, we didn't do – we didn't add, we didn't subtract. You know, I think we got uh, Luis Urias, who's a guy that uh, we envision as a good player. He has some good seasons with the Brewers. He's going to play a lot now in September, and he's going to be part of this in the future. But uh, I thought at the moment we had a good team, and when we kept our guys, you know, Pax and all those guys, we were excited. Like, you know what? They're giving us confidence that we can do it with this group, but it just didn't happen. Alex, you we mentioned a lot of young players. You just mentioned future with Urias. Am I correct? You 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 have an option for next season, correct? You're, no, no, no. A, I got a guarantee. Yeah, I got yeah, a, yeah. yeah, yeah. And is it just through next year? And if so, what can you give us an idea of what your future is? Uh, obviously, any of us who have spoken to you regularly know you could hop into a front office if you want to and be helpful there. Do you want to stay in the dugout? Do you imagine that it's with Boston long term? Do you want something worked out? I'm sorry, there's a bunch there, but it's about generally your future, where you see it. That's that's a lot. Uh I got my daughter who goes to BC. She's a junior. I love the fact that she's right on the street. When the season is over, I go to the Caribbean. I don't stay here. You know, I think that's one of the smartest moves we, we do on a yearly basis. We don't stay here because of the weather. My boys are six and uh, they're playing baseball. They're playing soccer. Uh, we'll sit down as a family and see where we at. We enjoy this. I love this place, but obviously there's, other stuff that comes into play and things more family. I'm 47, turn 48 next week. Uh, I don't see myself like Tito and Tony to to manage until, you know, 70, whatever. I enjoy what I'm doing, but at one point, you know, we, we're going to have to move on to do something else. And I'm not saying like front office or TV, whatever, but whatever the family agrees to, we'll do. As in now, I enjoy this and it's a challenge. And uh, we're not going to finish in the, the – we're not going to play in October. And that's, you know, that's hard for me to take. So going into the offseason, improving a few things, learn a few things. Hopefully we can improve, you know, the roster with some acquisitions and go for it next year. You know, um, having been there recently, I, I noticed the fans and per perhaps the media not really over the Mookie Betts trade. Uh, are you over it or how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, man. Uh, to be honest with you, and that happened when when I was paying, you know, I, I was suspended, you know, uh, paying the price of the the mistake that we made in Houston. But uh, talking to Heim, understanding the reason behind it, right? And uh, you know, that weekend was 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 crazy here. Uh, I think Mookie's doing an outstanding job in social media, getting people, you know, like <laughs> going, yes. you know, like Indeed. although his podcast or whatever he has is horrible. I keep telling him that's awful, you know. Like, <laughs> no, it is. It's good. It's good. Yeah, you no, stop it's it. We're, 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 in glasses, we're in glasses and all that. I'm like, come on, save it, bro. No, but you know what? <laughs> I'm happy for him. Uh, we stay in touch. I stay in touch with all those kids. You know, they're, they're a big part of, uh, my life, you know, we connected. We did something great here in 18. Um, you know, Bogey and Christian and David Price and Porcello. I mean, you name it, we we stay in touch. But uh, being able to see him, he, he came into, here into the office. We talk a little bit. Uh, I know it was awesome for him. It was awesome. And he's having an outstanding season. As we know, he's a, he's a great player. Um, you know, we got Alex. We got Juan, obviously Jeter. You know, he's a big leaguer somewhere else. Uh, you know, our catcher is a good one. Our right fielder is a good one. Uh, I don't want to – obviously, they're not monkey bets, but what they do, they're really good, and they can be players in the championship caliber team. Alex, you've mentioned Haim a few times. Uh, he's under you, – you know, you also mentioned it's Boston. It's championship or bust. And he came in here with a bigger, bigger vision – 
and uh, I think your average fan would have would like to see him gone. Uh, it's just the way this is. You know, Brian Cashman's been a successful GM in our town for a quarter of a century. Everyone wants him gone. Do you see the vision that will make the Red Sox a sustained contender? Do you see it playing out, knowing especially what the AL, what a beast the AL East is now when you add what Baltimore's next five to seven years look like? I believe so. You look at a roster right now and, you know, Abreu, Valdez, Casas, Duran, uh, Massa, Rafi, um, even Trevor, you know, Trevor is a outstanding player. So I do believe position wise, we're, we're in a great spot. Pitching wise, when you look at Winkowski, you look at Crawford, Whitlock, uh, Bayo. I mean, not too many people. I mean, I'm surprised that not too many people talk about Brian Bayo. He's really good. We got some young, controllable pitchers. Um, obviously, we got some guys that have some track record, but we 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 need to, we need them to be healthy. Um, I think we're in a good spot this offseason. Obviously, there's going to be a few things that we have to do to to improve because, as you said, you know that team in Baltimore it ain't going nowhere. You know they're going to be there for a while. They have some good players, and there's more there's more coming. Uh, these guys here, they can pitch. They can always pitch. And uh, they will do everything possible to improve their athleticism and, and, and their offense. And the team in Toronto is really good. Tampa, they keep doing what they're doing. So uh, it's a tough division. But like I said before the season, we knew the rules of the tournament. We knew what conference we were playing on if we want to go that way, right? So uh, we know what we have to do. We just have to do it. You know, uh, as a New Yorker, I look at the Boston media, and it's it can be pretty tough. How, how are you deal with that? I'm good, man. This is uh, I, I do believe that there's three guys, actually four, because Tito worked uh, in Bristol too, but Rossi, uh, Booney, and I, right, just working, you know, at ESPN. It, it was a different route for us to get to the big leagues, right? I mean. Uh, you know, there's a lot of grinders that went through the minor league systems and player development, and they're they're doing an outstanding job here at the big league level as managers. But for me personally, working at ESPN those years, I know I I know how it works. I know that you know there's somebody in that ear, you know, a producer pushing, you know, like asking this, asking this, you know. So uh, I get it. I understand. Is is part of this, you know? And like I always said, you know, if you let the noise bother you. Don't listen, but if you can use the noise to make you better, listen to it. And then I'm 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 willing to listen because it, it makes me better. I I, I love ha- knowing the pulse of what's going on around him, understanding who is who, right? And uh, you know I'm doing well. I think you know I, I know at age I, I gained some weight, whatever, but uh, I'm still having fun doing this. You look good. You look <laughs> Thank good. You. Thank you. Last thing I want to ask you a little bit off the grid here, your brother. Uh, you guys are very different. Um, <laughs> very. <laughs> but very different, yes. But you know what? Uh, he was a math major at Vanderbilt. Very smart guy. Not that you're not. Is uh, had a distinguished coaching career. Had a very good big league career. Shouldn't he be a major league manager somewhere? Yeah, I think uh, from his end, he's past that, to be honest with you. That was something he really wanted to do. A while ago, but he he felt that throughout his process, it just didn't work out. Uh, he won't tell you this, but I, I don't care. I'm here with you guys. <laughs> there was there was an interview that when uh, when he told them, no, I, I was uh, an academic all American at ba- Vanderbilt. The <laughs> the guy that was asking him questions, interviewing him, was like, you went to Vanderbilt, and that's why he was like, you know what? This it's not gonna it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. I just it's just me and John. Which team was that? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 by the way, I I've gotten to know your brother better, obviously, when he's in New York. You you say the times passed. It didn't pass. Like Tony Larusa got a job, Bruce Bochi got a job. I understand he doesn't have their resume. Your brother's a terrific baseball guy. He should still be getting interviews and chances. Uh, yeah. to, to but I think I think in a personal note where he's at right now and obviously going through the process and all that, he's like, oh, I, he likes working with Buck. That he he does. It's just you know, and I have a great, com- uh, you know, 
when uh when Buck was looking for his third base coach, um somebody dropped Joey's name, you know, like he got let go by the Pirates. He was actually gonna get a job with the D bags in player development. And uh Buck called me. He, he like, Hey, hey Alex, uh, do you have five minutes? I'm like, Of course, you know, uh, let's talk about your brother. And honestly, I felt like he was interviewing me. I mean, it was like question after question after question after question. I was like, and then at the end, I was like, Buck, honestly, he's your guy. But it was like so intense. You you guys know Buck, you know, and I, I'm glad he's working with him. He's learned a lot. Obviously, last year was a great season, finishing a disappointment this year. Actually playing better now with the after the trades and all that. And I know a lot of people feel like they're not going to compete next year. They got some good players, man. That shortstop is becoming one of the best players in the big leagues, you know, and he's understanding what it takes to be a leader, right? Like, I think in his case, the last few years, he wanted to do everything instead of, you know, do everything and then play. Now he's playing and doing everything. And uh, he's having a great season. Uh, they have a, a good core of young players. So let's see what happens with them. Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting, right? They have a new head of baseball operations coming in, and David Stearns, you know, what does he want in a manager? Does Buck stick around? I, I think uh, that's going to be a fascinating issue for for uh, us here in New York, uh, uh, especially. Look, why don't we'll I have fun with it? Yeah, well, <laughs> what, 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 what I ended on, because you, you are incredibly insightful. You're obviously close to your brother. What That's a team... It was willing to spend $500 million between payroll and tax this year. Uh, and it obviously went badly. Uh, from a distance, you understand what it takes to win. Why did it go badly in New York? I think pitching-wise, they were short, like I said before. And offensively, at one point, they struggled. They, they, it was hard for them to score runs. Uh, it's one of those seasons, you know? Like, I mean, it started with Edwin in the WBC, right? Um it's not. It wasn't a domino effect, but that inning, somebody else had to cover it, right? So somebody had to move up, somebody had to move up, and then probably the sixth and seventh inning, that probably it was a sure thing for them with the guys that they had, it didn't work out. Yeah, he also gave them a big mental edge that they knew they were going to win Oof. when they when they got a lead, and uh, that made them play a certain way late, I thought, and I thought they really missed it. Um, Alex, uh, we know it's a busy time. You got the Yankees in town uh, uh, and you're just coming off a doubleheader yesterday. Uh, John and I really appreciate you taking some time to join us on the show. Always be well. Uh, enjoy October and stay in touch. All right, Alex. All right, All thanks, best. Alex. thanks. Be well. We thank Alex Cora, a terrific guest, uh, for joining us on the show. John, wrapping up as usual, we play hit or error. What do you have? I got the most obvious hit, and it's not just a hit. It's a home run. Hiring David Stearns was absolutely the right thing to do. I think the Mets are really on the right track. I like what they did at the deadline. Stearns is the right guy. I'm not going to say perfect. There's nothing that's perfect, but uh, I think he is the right guy to lead this team going forward. John, your hit there is perfect. Do not undersell yourself. <laughs> Uh, John, I'll go with a hit also. Uh, I'm going to say the Yankees experimenting with Michael King as a starter is a hit. Uh, whether it succeeds or not, and the early results are terrific. You know, King has a four-pitch arsenal that screams starting pitcher. It's obviously been used well in the bullpen. But I just keep looking at this free agent market. No Otani for next year, now at minimum. Who knows what Julio Urias's future is? Aaron Nola has had a Bad year, especially for Aaron Nola. Guys who got traded into the races who are free agents like Giolito and Jack Flaherty, they have not performed well, right? If you think about the two big free agent signs last year as starting pitchers to show you how bad a marketplace this could be, how inefficient, are DeGrom and Rodon, right? Steven Strasburg is either retiring or not, depending what that nutty Nationals organization is up to. He's hardly pitched on the $245 million uh, contract. It is a inefficient market. And even if the Yankees want to dive in for someone like y Yoshinubu uh, Yamamoto, uh, who's going to get a lot of love this offseason, trying to find out if they can find more guys internally who could give them six, seven innings regularly is a smart play. Yeah, I'm with you on King. He's looked good as a starter. He wants to do it. So, I mean, 
you know, it's not easy to find starters. And uh, thank you for reminding me of the Nats. I, I I will throw in an error there. Do I get a hit and an error today? <laughs> you, I, you, I mean, you. what the heck are they doing? That's not perfect, John, but go ahead. They, they told him he was retiring. He was fine with it. They had a press conference. Uh, maybe it wasn't officially set, but he was understood that it was a press conference. He had his family and friends ready to go at the press conference, and then they cancel the press conference, and then they issue a press release uh, basically saying, welcome to spring training, Steven Strasburg, uh, after we know that the doctors have said that he has a, a, a irreparably damaged nerve and he's not going to be able to pitch. Uh, I don't know what's going on with them. Good, good for them to to keep Mike Rizzo on an extension as they did this morning. But uh, I mean, you know, are they trying to save a penny on? The, and I I understand it's not uh, you know something to celebrate that they spent two hundred thirty five million dollars and made a mistake with Strasburg. But look, he was the World Series MVP. He had a great career. They were going to retire his number. I assume they eventually will will do this. They were going to put him in the ring of honor, whatever they call it there. And uh, now to be challenging him to come to spring training. I mean, that's just nutty. So sorry. I don't know. Did that break the rules going with an error after a hit? No, no. It allows me to say that I've been thinking for a while there should be a Jeff Wilpon award for the the sons of, of successful people who get a, in ownership situations and show what 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 dunderheads they are. Real tough competition this year between Mark Lerner and John Angelos. Good luck with that. Deciding who your your champion of the Jeff Wilpon award for 2023. Yeah, I mean, they're way will be. worse to me. They're way worse than Jeff Wilpon. To me, but uh, yeah. okay, you can we got to name it for somebody. Award. John, award, you can call what you want, but John, Angelos, all, uh, you know, John, uh, how about the we want to call it the Jim Dolan Award, even though we'd be crossing sports then? <laughs> well, that's really a well, I better not do any basketball talk. You're the expert, so but yeah, uh, well, he's a bad you know, owner. Call it that instead, yes. Oh, well, we'll be talking a lot of not basketball, baseball. If you stick with us on the show, a podcast from the New York Post. We always appreciate our producers, uh, Andrew Hartz and Jake Brown, for helping us through the shows. Don't forget, uh, this show drops on the Yes app. Uh, it will be a day later than normal. Uh, it's usually Wednesday. It will be Thursday now at about uh, noon. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to our podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. It means a lot to us if you give us a nice review. And please continue to stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Hayden.